car selling secrets. I always forget how to start this segment. And we've only been doing it a year. You'll catch it doesn't up matter. sooner or so later. So what, what am I supposed to say again? Car, car selling secrets by Walzer Automotive Group with, and then I say, okay. so let's try that. Go ahead, okay, Tom. Here we go. Car selling secrets something, something <laughs> with sad. Doug Sprinthal. And Ryan Winkler. Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen. It's sad to watch it is. the decline of Tom Bernard. <laughs> oh, from my lovely wife. Thank you so much, my dear. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt, Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. You know what else? Who am I again? What? Who are you? We'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. We even have our own theme song, isn't that Ted it, it just turns out his wife is the singer, so. Yeah, all, we all family. About half an hour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. the whole family's involved. Nepotism runs rampant. My wife, our son, our daughter, our buddy Cassie, it's all a family Can't deal. do it on a podcast. On a... Where can you do it? Exactly. Exactly right. It's 100% correct. No Ryan, question. Ryan Winkler is our guest in studio. He's the majority, zone. majority leader in the House of Representatives in the Minnesota uh, legislature. We're very, what are you, like, Thank 19? you for coming on. <laughs> I'm all of uh, 43. You're 43. With the leader, that's pretty impressive. Now, before we get started in the car selling secrets tradition, you have to tell us the story about your first car, and it's okay to make up something cool if it was boring. Well, I don't think it was boring. Okay. Uh, although it was my mom's car, it was my first car, uh, her old one. She, uh, in 1977, got a Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Ooh, uh, Burgundy fancy. with burgundy leather interior. Oh. Very fancy. And drove it from 77 until I suppose I started driving it in 92. So it was 15 years old, showing Perfect. a little bit of body wear, but had uh, 200,000 miles, drove perfectly, and was a great first car to cruise around in uh, as a teenager. Did you sell <laughs> She's not that cutthroat. Is that, uh, was that your approach? My father would have sold it to us. Yeah, 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 even, if, even if it was 50 bucks, we would have had to pay. Interestingly <laughs> enough, had to pay. in 1991, I was 
my first marriage went down in flames, and I got no. to drive a divorce mobile, which I bought for $500. It was a 78 Coupe de Ville. It's a great car. And I uh, finally sold it when things were getting better a couple years later. It was great. It, it just did. It liked gasoline, as I remember. Liked it a lot. I was not aware that, that you've ever been divorced. I know. Shocking, isn't it? So I started playing Monday night. It's at the Blue Saloon in Frogtown. And a couple weeks after I'd sold the car, I was going in there to set up, and I saw it at the corner and it looked way nicer than it ever did when i owned it so we walk into the neighborhood the the, the band was upstairs up the flight of stairs the neighbors all hung out in the the bar in the corner and i walked in and said who owns that coupe de ville outside and this huge black guy turns around and goes that's mine why and i said i used to own that car and he goes really i want to ask you some questions here and I buy it <laughs> it's really nice so well i felt oh, for my eyes you know i fell in love with the car and so when i was finishing law school i was trolling around seeing what cars were available and i found another one for sale for with forty thousand miles oh wow and uh i was graduating and my first uh baby lawyer car was another 77 coupe de ville which i kept until i had a first child now, what kind of law did you specialize in? You, you graduated from the university? I, I did, yeah. And I still am practicing. And, you know, the legislature is a part-time job. Yeah. And it pays like a part-time job. Not that I'm complaining, but that's a fact of life that we all deal with. So, so I'm still a business lawyer. I work in-house at technology okay. companies. That, that, is a, that is something. I know, it, you know, with social media, there's so much fury about everything in the... Um, you know the Senate and uh, in the, in the federal government—they make what seems to be a pretty good wage, 180 grand a, mo- a year. A month? If it was a month, that's almost like Tom Bernard. Yeah. Ooh, I'm surprised you know who I am. <laughs> he just took usually a shot politicians at you. know who I am. They don't go anywhere near me. It's hilarious. <laughs> but what do you make <laughs> as a, uh, uh, a legislator in Minnesota? Isn't it like 35 or 40? We got a big pay raise to $45,000 a year. Okay, so people that look at everybody and making <laughs> swimming in the high uh, living in the high dough. Well, lawyers make good money though, so you're doing fine. I'm doing all right. I'm that's not complaining, yeah. but you do have to have two jobs yeah. to make it work. Well, good, and that's a good idea. It is a good idea. I agree with because the completely. schedule was originally set up for agriculture, right? Mm-hmm. In the early days of the oh, state. I bet yeah. that's true. There used to be a session every other year, and so you know. You would come make a budget for two years and leave and come back two years later if you got reelected. You know, i got to point out something because I was talking to Ryan. I said, you're my guy. He goes, actually, I'm not. My district is south of Highway 55. But the reason I just assumed you were is because your lawn signs are everywhere in our neighborhood. And I, why would that be if you're not even our guy? Apparently, they don't know you're not our guy. They're just enthusiastic. They're very enthusiastic. enthusiastic. He's what a is? Democrat. It's voter fraud. You understand how oh, it works. Oh, well. See, Kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just a I'm joke. A guy I'm a joke. It's is a it joke. good guy, bad guy? That's uh, what this cut is. Cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. But no, I, I just, but yeah, you have a lot of lawn signs up in our neighbor along Golden Valley Road. So apparently everybody likes you, so that's good. Either that or they're wasting money. Well, you might be remembering years ago, the district lines changed. Oh, this was recent. Okay. So you, were you, how long have you been serving our... our, our doing what you do. I was elected <laughs> in, I said serving, not doing, but serving. <laughs> I was elected in 2006. Really? Uh, served until 2015. I stepped down for a couple of years and ran again in 18. You got elected when you were 29? Yes, that's true. Twenty nine. You had to think that through. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> yep. Your math there is faster than my math. I got. I got. A, I got one of those sad deals with math. It's just not good. 
It's not a good thing, got man. One of those sad deals with math. So well, I was, you know what I'm saying. I just I can what? see numbers. I can see numbers before. I, I can see numbers in my head before I say them. You're like That's Rain Man, good. basically, is what you're saying. I'm an excellent driver. In so yeah. many ways, he's <laughs> not an excellent driver. I am an excellent driver. He was, he driver. was rear-ended us while I was pregnant. <laughs> When we were on a road trip and he was driving behind us. Right, and that's Not my daughter Alex right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, we, that's why we passed saying. the hands-free law. That's <laughs> right, hands-free, baby. By the way, one of the greatest <laughs> ideas yes. of all time. I, I notice a huge difference. Have you? Yes, I do. Not and here's what I've noticed. Before that passed, and I drive a lot in the city, uh, you know, not on the highways, I, every other stoplight I'd be behind somebody, I'd have to honk at them yeah. to get them going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it... it Maybe happens once a week, if 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 less than that. So I, that's just personal experience. I one hundred, you still difference. find some people doing it. Yeah, I, I don't know why that is on one hundred. They like to. Maybe it's on all the freeways. They like doing yeah. it. I don't really understand. You know, it's a numbers why. game. It's not going to eliminate. Well, it, yeah. but if it cuts yeah, it down, fewer people get killed, and it's good. I'm too big of a candy ass to do it. I cannot look down at anything and drive. I can't. Oh, it scares me to death to do that. Because I mean, you're you're going along. At 60 <laughs> so, well, how did you rear end your wife and pregnant daughter? Well, you he tailgates like crazy. <laughs> I do not tailgate horribly, and well, he's either accelerating guy. or braking. There's no coasting. What was it? It's the... Yeah, and that's how. You that's drive. what you do with the feet. I don't know that you have to jump in too, honey. <laughs> I was in the car that you hit. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You backed into me, if I remember. <laughs> on the freeway. We yes, just, you backed yeah. into me it in on the freeway. Absolutely. Right, I think it's a great thing that you're appearing on the show here because I think a lot of people uh, would like to hear the real person. And I, you don't really see it that much. Even Governor Walls right now, you don't really see him just be himself all that often. You know, Not that he, I, I understand he's a nice guy. I've never met him, but I understand that Governor Walls is a good guy. But you don't really see that personal side much anymore. And, and I don't, why do you think that is? I think it's risky, you know, in this environment oh, okay. that we're in. You yeah. know, I, I'm pretty sure that nobody's perfect, and mm-hmm. so when you ever you show too Except much of yourself, my boss Paul Walzer. Yeah, Paul Walzer's Paul. perfect. Has he sent the check? I hope so. Okay, go right. ahead. Sorry, Ryan. Well, he has you on doing this show, so that's there right. Are, <laughs> that's right. There must be something wrong somewhere. Yeah, 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 something's definitely wrong. Wow, I like this guy. That's yeah, how it All should right. be. So life should be right there. But, you know, you got to be careful because everybody's looking for every single flaw, yeah. and they're going to use it. And there's this whole army of people out there on social media, and the bigger you are, you know, on cable news and everywhere else, they're going to be looking. Remember when Obama got in trouble because he wore a tan suit? Oh, that was a big crisis. I remember no. that. It was like 2013 no. or something. Yeah. Why? They didn't have anything else to bitch about that so particular I, week, I and they all went mental. Why did they not like his tan suit? It is garbage until you're the person who's the target of it. of course, yes. Oh, she's been through that, believe me. Being married to me, she's been down that road many times. I admire Ellen DeGeneres for sticking up. I do too. Ellen DeGeneres. Just great. First of all, I think she's funny as hell anyway. Yeah, I do too. And I really, really like the fact she stepped up and said, look, you know... And you know Michelle Obama is one of Bush's best friends? Yes. Those two are tight as tigers. It's just yeah, I, weird I don't, that people we, would get incensed about it. Ryan, that. do you think we'll ever drop this whole deal with, if you don't agree with me, I hate you? We will have to. I mean, I'm one good. way or the other. Uh, I think hopefully the pendulum swings. This whole social media, cable news environment, yeah. it's, it's yeah. relatively new in our culture. And I think 
there's, there's already, uh, when I go to DFL dinners and I talk about how you need to have the courage to like listen to somebody else mm-hmm. and actually have a conversation and share some points of view if you don't agree, uh, they really respond positively to that. I think mm-hmm. people are hungering for that, but Good. there's nobody out there saying it or knowing how to do it. And you make too much money. Uh, in the media by playing up That's conflict. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Pe- oh, yeah. Peace and relaxation and cooperation are not, you know, that's not clickbait, right? right. So th- it's just the incentives are skewed. I think eventually the culture will sort of back off some of that because people will get really tired of it. We do have our uh, call-in line is working, apparently. If anybody has any questions or comments, you can it's call got it all teed up. 612-295-1526. Do we have yep. the same number? Well, we still use for the now. other for phone. Now. Yeah. Oh, for now. For now. We'll be okay. transitioning we're, we're to another tra- phone. Well, but we're trying to keep the same number for those that would like to call in in the future. I we got to make some calls. They have to release I the old number. I have to make some calls. And then give it back <laughs> to us. I need to talk uh, to it's Matt? A thing. Yep. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, so that's a Ryan. If you want to call 295-1526, I, I read your bio, and you were an undergrad at Harvard. Is that right? That's right. What did you study, and how did you get to Harvard from Bemidji? Uh, dumb luck in part. Uh, so, uh, you know, my dad builds log homes for a living. Mm-hmm. My mom's an x-ray tech. I didn't go there because I was a legacy. But I, had, I was lucky that there was um, a girl a couple years older than me who went and uh, came back to school and told us basically that if we got good test scores, we had a shot at getting into Ivy League schools. Wow. And if we got in, places like Harvard would make it affordable for your family regardless of financial circumstances. And so I was sold. I thought, well, all right, I learned something today that's going to be of value to me. I went home, told my mom I wanted to go to Harvard. And she kind of looked at me and just sort of paused a second. Grabbed the bourbon. No, she just said, (laughs) she said, all right, what do we need to do? And my dad was on the phone with the admissions counselors out there before long. We had a garage sale. Oh, you had a different mom than mine. We (laughs) had a garage sale to buy airline tickets to go out and visit. And my dad can talk to anybody. Uh, And so at the end, he was talking to the admissions counselor, and she said, oh, tell him not to worry. We'll admit him. So it was the only school I applied for. That's amazing. So you didn't do the Felicity Huffman deal and bribe the uh, track coach? We don't know what she did. She was more like Lori Is Lori going to prison for like 10 years? Everybody else is like, I got a week, two weeks. I got a month. I got two months. When we get to Lori, well, it's going to be a while. She was way out of line with the with the with the court system, and she is going to pay for it. Yeah, that. I don't I don't that think that'll play well for her. What what was your degree in? Is it history? Oh, really? Okay. My dad uh, got his PhD there and taught there from '64 till '70. That's how we wound up. He was not on the tenure track, so we had the family meeting. I was probably 12, and he goes, "All right, we can go to the University of Minnesota." Or Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh. <clears throat> and you would probably not pick Biloxi today. I can't imagine what it was like in 1970. Biloxi's not a bad town now, actually. 50 years later. Yeah, 50 years later. <laughs> well, there is that. But that whole, it's a, it's a, well, it's a big military town. Yeah. My dad served in Biloxi is. in uh, the mid-60s. Yeah. Oh, did he? Force. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I don't think it was a very nice town <laughs> no, I don't from his so. telling well, of the story. Going really into town, town, yeah. Really. yeah no, kind of a couple of casinos. It's more of an area. It was an, an education <laughs> for a kid from the Northwoods. I suppose, yeah. So what so. Uh, type of history did you study? Uh, American history, okay. know, especially political history. Kind of a natural tie-in with what I'm doing now. That's cool. And that's very interesting, actually. I, I, history is 
Do they write it correctly these days? Because I understand that we're rewriting a lot of our history these days. I don't know if that's Depends true. History is always written that way. It, it, it really it, is. It's always it? written according to the values of the time you're writing it, not according <laughs> right. to what happened in the moment. That's very, very true. So, so we're changing our attitudes about a lot of things, and we're changing yeah. our attitudes about what happened in the past. You'll appreciate this conversation. And my son was, I think, 16, and my daughter was 13. So it was three years ago, and we've always had great dinner conversations. And for some reason, they were having the classic big government, small government argument. And it was raging on for 10 minutes, and they're holding their own. And I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about this generation. They're smart. They get it. It's, it's nice to tarm. <clears throat> so my son, who's the older, says, you know, Ellie, maybe you should just read the Federalist Papers. And she goes, what makes you think that I haven't? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was my story. It was it's a great story. I it's Doug's. Doug's uh, your phone rings. It's not Kelsey. ringing. Quit picking on me. Well, you know why what else happened? Yeah, why shouldn't we? We're going to take you? a break in about another forty-five seconds. When we come back, I really want to talk about this new uh, initiative that the Minnesota uh, legislature is taking on about the EPA restrictions and electric cars and infrastructure. It's going to be. I've got a lot of questions about it. I've been in the car business since the early '80s. I've been studying electric cars. Uh, some of it's kind of cool, and some of it I'm like, mm, do they really understand how this works? So that's what we'll be talking about. We'll actually talk about automotive stuff, not just picking no. on me. We're not Aww. picking on yeah, you. We were picking on, we or, you picked on my phone. Oh. It's off. Your phone's a disaster. People tune in for us to pick <laughs> on you. It's a total disaster. I also want to ask Ryan a question. Now, do you, is North Minneapolis part of your area, or at least part of North Minneapolis? Or no, not? no part of Minneapolis. Not, so who is that then that would be our our person? Uh, Mike Freiberg. Oh, yeah, okay, Mike Freiberg, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I got some questions about that, too, even though it's not your just I, I don't understand. I, it was revealed I, to me, and maybe it was up before, but the biggest disparity between black workers and white workers in America is in the 5th District of Minneapolis. In America. How is that possible? Think about that and come up I'll with have great all the answers. answers for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, there you go. I just don't see how that's possible. One of the wealthiest states in the country. We'll be right back with this and more exciting information. All right. <laughs> it's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me, too? No. <laughs> God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast, that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. If you're one of those folks out there still putting up with contact lenses or dealing with glasses, think just for a moment, what would it be like to wake up to a clear morning and experience your day with all the freedom LASIK brings? Well, I'm living proof. That dream can come true. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With the new year right around the corner, it's time to set your sights on 2020 vision. Get $500 off LASIK through the end of the year at Whiting Clinic. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contacts, 
then it's time for you to find out if you're a candidate for LASIK. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com for your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Imagine 2020, buy 2020, and let 2020 be your best year yet with $500 off LASIK at Whiting Clinic. Offer expires December 31st, 2019. Both eyes only cannot be combined. Results may vary. that look on your face? The audio's not, it sounds different today. Yeah, it's fine to me. Really? Maybe yeah, I'm good to make it. What are you, high? No, probably, again. THC before bit. you get No, 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 no. I, Medical, of course. Mommy high Medical. again. Medical. Yeah. No, I've been having issues with my headphones ever since I came in here. It's you like I'm constantly adjusting. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just sitting in a bad spot. You'll yeah, be <laughs> fine. Don't, don't worry. All right. I got questions. Good luck. Thank you. So um, we're here with Ryan Winkler, who's the majority leader of the House of Representatives of the state of Minnesota. And I went to a press conference in South St. Paul that Mayor Jimmy Francis invited me to, the man Mm -hmm. who seems to be everywhere. And the governor was announcing a new initiative for greener, cleaner cars. Um, And there's a, a couple of different parts to it. And I know you guys can't be experts on everything, but this is what I understood him to be trying to do. Did you see the face he do. just made? That was the only one. You what? can't be experts on everything. And Ryan goes, well, you know, <laughs> automobiles are, I mean, me. cars are my entire life other than my fun. kids. I mean, it's just a small part of what you have to know about. Thanks, Tom. No, I was complimenting our guests. That's all. So essentially he did a couple of things. There's a initiative and i think there's 14 or 15 states that are 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 following the california standards and the reason for that is uh ever since the epa was created they had tailpipe emission uh, regulations and it would get stricter and stricter every year obama administration really put out some tough ones the manufacturers were well on their way to hitting it although it looked like it was they weren't going to quite get there Uh, the current administration decided that they wanted to roll back uh, the uh, the restrictions for cars to an older level. And California is like, yeah, they've had a waiver since the first law was written in 1970 that they could set their own. So a bunch of uh, states, from what I understand, Minnesota is now one of them, are going to follow the, uh, the California standard. And in addition, four of the largest automakers in the world, and remember, right, it's Honda, Ford, BMW, and Volkswagen have signed up uh, for the California standard, which is a little less respect, restrictive than the previous Obama one, but it's, it's more difficult than the, uh, what the Trump administration's uh, proposing. And this is likely to wind up in the Supreme Court, I think. Uh, it's, it's setting up to be a big court battle, but, but the, the, the main part of the governor's conversation, which I was confused about, is he said, you know, um, we need more electric vehicle availability in the state of Minnesota, and this, I don't know if it's a law or if it's just something that they're trying to do, we'll make that happen. Uh, from a retailer's, and he also said, you know, if you have an F-150, it doesn't, we're not going to make you buy an electric car. You can continue your, your life, but we're going to make it easier for people to purchase electric vehicles. And, and, 
from what he was saying, it sounded like he thought it was a supply issue. From a retailer, I can tell you that that's really not the case. You know, we try to co control our inventory like every business does. If you're selling, if you're the milk manager at Cub and you sell 100 gallons of milk a week, you don't want to have 300 gallons of milk in stock because you'll have to throw it out. Well, you don't throw cars away. It just costs money to carry them. And we don't, you know, we, we carry uh, Nissan Leafs, Chevy Volt, Chevy Bolts. We have uh, quite a few hybrids. Actually, we're talking about plug-in hybrids and pure electric cars, but you know, they sell okay, but they don't sell great. The other thing that's happening, yes, Catherine. Are there are there electric cars that can deal with two feet of snow and ice? Um, <laughs> Just a question. There's act that's a really this good question. There are uh, the next generation that's coming out is going to be all-wheel drive electric cars. I think Jaguar makes one already. There's a company out of New York that's going to have one on the market in 2021, 750 horsepower, a 500-mile range, and it's bigger than a Suburban, and it's all electric. So, yeah, they're coming. Right now, you know, they started with, like, the Nissan Leaf, which is a really small car. Mm -hmm. But my question is, we already don't have a great demand for it, and I think part of it's because the gas prices have been stable. And what a lot of people don't know is the federal tax incentives to buy electric vehicles is sunsetting this year. In October, it got cut in half from right. $7,500 to thirty, thirty-seven fifty. is that right? Yeah. Uh, and it's going to go away the first of the year. So essentially, these vehicles, I, I don't see gas going up, and these cars are going to get more expensive in the future. Why does the governor, and I don't meet, I'm going to ask you to try to speak for him the best you can. Why does he think that it's an avail availability issue when, in my mind, it's just people don't, there aren't, it's a very small segment of the population that wants to buy these? Well, I think the governor is probably looking at what tools he has available to try to make us move in this direction. I mean, at some point, probably there's going to be a tipping point, and this will be the thing that everybody's moving to. It's been building, obviously. It's been, uh, the, you know, electric vehicle sales are growing dramatically, mm -hmm. but they're still very small as a percentage. And people aren't trusting it. I mean, you know, I travel a lot to northern Minnesota, and I'm not sure that an electric vehicle would be the best way for me to get there and back a lot, on a, a regular lot of, basis. You're right. right. A lot of them don't have the And range. that's Minnesota's lifestyle. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, but I think what the governor is probably doing is looking at the tools he has available to try to, you know, push the marketplace and to push the car, the car culture in Minnesota t more towards electric or anything that's going to do uh, a lot less carbon emissions. And, you know, you know, it makes sense in my mind that if the federal government's going to be rolling back the clean car standard, uh, states have power. We'll see how much power they have in order to uh, fill in the gap. And we're seeing that all, you know, I don't have to get too much into partisan politics, but clearly the Trump administration is not prioritizing uh, carbon emissions or the climate crisis right now. And so you're seeing states stepping up and you're seeing corporate America, frankly, being the leaders in changing our, you know, carbon emissions footprint well, as much I as possible. So yes. I think that's what that. the governor is trying to do. Okay. okay, so everybody goes to an electric car. We have to have all these power plants to plug your cars in. Is that better? Well, right now it is cheaper to build a new windmill than it is to operate an existing coal plant. Right. So it's adding more capacity to the system with renewables is extremely cost effective right now. So, you know, we're not, you know, and this is what happens when we need to make a big change. Sometimes uh, the government has to set a standard that's out there a ways for people to meet. And then the marketplace figures out how to do that with new mm -hmm. technology. People figure out 
regardless of what the government does, this is, change is coming, and I want to get out there and make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. You saw that with Texas wildcatters suddenly going out to site wind farms and solar farms because mm-hmm. they knew that they needed land, they knew how to find land, and they knew that renewables would be the thing in the future. So setting a standard and saying this is where we need to get in order to protect our, wa- our water, our air, our you know a lot of things um, is kind of the role. And then we hope over time that the business community and innovation and so forth will kind of help us figure out how to get there. And if not, then we need to figure out how to change the policy as we go along. But we have to set the direction. But but you're right. I mean, if you're powering electric vehicles with coal plants, you're, it is a little bit more efficient, but it's probably not worth the brain damage. And right. I can tell you, and speaking from the auto manufacturers, they don't want two different standards because it's, it increased their cost of production, and then mm-hmm. you can't move cars from one state to the other. And it used to be that way in the 80s. California had their own standards, and... For trading cars back and forth was a nightmare. So yeah. that's part of the reason that the manufacturers are getting involved. And, and you know, that's also something that has often happened where states will, will push and eventually it becomes enough states and there's differences happening and the federal government says, all right, we have to standardize this. But the push that came from the states initially is what led the federal government to take action, which doesn't, you know, as I think we all know, happen all that often or quickly. So two questions, and I, I do agree that electric cars are the future. Because if you look at Europe and in China, oddly enough, they're really it's becoming a larger part of their uh, automotive availability. Oh, they'd um, like to breathe air over there. Yeah, well, I think the Chinese realized trouble with that. I think they realized in, in Beijing when you couldn't see the stoplights, yeah. they needed to yeah. clean it maybe, up a little bit. Maybe we should do something. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> they just redefined what uh, vision means. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but two things come to mind. One is recharge stations is that something the government steps in and pays for so on and so forth and secondly is you know we fund all of our uh, infrastructure in minnesota roads through gas tax it's the only thing gas tax can be used for if i understand that correctly yep. if our revenue from gas tax declines how do we pay for all this stuff well, that is an issue, but it's probably an issue for 20 years from now. Yeah, and but so, we'll start see, feeling it, I think, in 10. We will. Uh, at, my prediction would be and that— And I will tell you this, the older you get, problem, 10 years we'll doesn't it. seem that far away. <laughs> As a younger person, it seems like oh, 10 <laughs> yeah, years. But the, but the current gas tax debate is for you know the needs we have over the next 20 years. If electric cars take off and we're running short of revenue in the, in the trunk highway fund because people aren't paying gas taxes, then we will figure out how to address that new world. But oh, they'll figure in the out a way of raising taxes, trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's something that we're good at. by they? You mean like The Ryan? government. Pointing <laughs> <laughs> to himself. They will find it. I will say this. I, I've had two electric cars in my life. I had the very first Tesla in the state of, one of the first in the country, as a matter of fact. Uh, loved it. Well, but, la-dee-da. But it did yeah. a thing called bricking. <laughs> that if your battery somehow disconnected from the car or went dead, you could not move the car. So if I was yeah. on, on 94 and my car stopped, my Tesla stopped, you couldn't push it. You couldn't tow it. You couldn't get it, out, right? Yeah, right. Were you stuck? You're still stuck it? in that car on 994. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'd right. Still be there. They would have to fly a battery in, put it in the car, and then move it. So I said, "Well, I can't drive a car like that." That's so I sold that. Sense. And then Doug lined me up with an ELR, which I absolutely loved. That car. That it was, was a hybrid, plug-in hybrid. A hybrid, mm-hmm. yeah. Loved the car, but but that didn't sell well either. Why didn't well, that sell well? I, I think that's a marketing issue with General Motors. They had the ELR was the Cadillac version of the Chevy Volt. Really good. The Chevy Great Volt car. I thought was a phenomenal 
vehicle and that it was electric powered but it also had a gasoline engine in it so when the mm-hmm. electric charge which was good for about 40 miles went bad you had another two or three hundred miles yeah. of range on electric power and it was a decent car it was. but because they called it the volt and they'd never explained it properly people thought it was an all-electric car right. and all the right. fears that yeah. people have about electric car which they call range anxiety and, and it's justifiable absolutely mm-hmm. yeah well, the tesla went 225 i do remember that yeah It'll go 225 miles uh, the Not charge. 225 miles per hour? Well, that too. Actually, those Teslas are really fast. <laughs> they were really fast. Yeah, it felt like a Batmobile. Uh, yeah, it did. I just feel like you should, I, in my opinion, I went, I went, you know, the technology four years after everybody starts it. It's like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. want this year's right, iPhone. Yeah, I want last year's <laughs> tried and true. As she says, as she touches this year's iPhone. No, this is not this year's iPhone. Oh. You just got that. It's not. It's not this year's iPhone. Oh. That's the pro. So Ryan, and, what's going on here? Andy's getting married on Sunday, and the family's all a Twitter, and they've just been fighting with themselves all I week. Have not, not I've not been fighting with anyone. You're not fighting. You're, You're fighting all the time. <laughs> fighting for the marriages right. are no, such happy well, occasions. But the same thing with the Tesla. I, you know, you wait a couple of years till they get the bugs yeah. worked yeah. out. No, they're getting better buy, and better. And then you buy it. The range is getting better, and they're getting less expensive right. every year. That's mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, some, I, loved it. I loved electric cars, both of them. I just loved them. But they just weren't functional at that yeah. time. Well, what was the first generation iPhone like, and what is it doing now, right? It's yeah. not, and it's not, yeah. that, long, it's not right. that long ago. It was 2006 when the first one came out. And it feels like, how could we not have that every bit of part of yeah, our life every day? Well, well, you were a kid in Bemidji. was, hello, Central. Yeah, <laughs> my, Murray Hill my, six four thousand. My grandmother had a party line. Did she? And I remember see, that. Isn't that phenomenal? My, that's how I knew. I, did too. I was born in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Okay, and my grandma had a party line. It was pick up the phone. It was like, "There's somebody already on your phone." Yeah, small party town. line. That was a, a very party common thing line. in small town. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't really a party. No. No. no, no, it was not no. a party. It's basically a way to spy on your neighbors. Well, you... I will tell you one time I did pick up the phone and I should not have heard what I was hearing. I'll tell you that. Okay. Oh, because apparently they they used to do sex talk on phones back in those on days. On party like, lines? What? Really? I mean, think, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, it's Long Prairie, you know. Is that even monogamous? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. On party line? Yeah. Well, it was the 70s, right? <laughs> that was the 60s or, yeah, the early 60s. Yeah, my thing. grandparents had one in Maine, too. Can yeah, you imagine phenomenal. how crazy people would be today if they had to oh, pick party. up? Oh, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, still, exactly. God, sorry, still can't use yeah, the vote. Can you imagine? Phone. That's exactly right. <laughs> Think of somebody else. Yes. <laughs> Think of somebody else. Sex calls. I right? know what you're it talking about. It was a joke. Hurry up. No, oh, you didn't segue out of that yet. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> stuck there. That's cold. That's all I know. You know, I, I do have another question, um, and this is about infrastructure. You know, there was an attempt to raise the gas tax right after uh, the election was over, and it, it, it was a short-lived attempt. And people that – the thing that I heard all the time is we've got a $1.5 billion surplus roughly. Why don't we just spend that money in the roads? What what Do you know what the need for – uh, cost-wise for the infrastructure actually is? The best estimate is that it's about uh, $6.6 billion over 10 years. So uh, 20 cent gas tax basically covers that cost. And okay. it's important to know that 20 cents was 5 cents a year phased in over four years. Oh. So it's not all at once. I don't, I don't even think anybody would know what had happened. Five cents, you know, once a year. Probably nobody would no, even I, realize it happened, right? No, I think that's true, yeah. Uh, so it was to 
cover the whole cost and to be okay. honest about, you know, Minnesota, you know, we're a state that wants great schools. We want to have a health care system that looks after people when they're old or when they can't take care of themselves. We used to have a great road system. Mm-hmm. We have the fifth biggest road system in the country of any, you know, among really? the states. And so it costs money to have a decent road system, and we pay for it through the gas tax. We don't have to have it. But if we want it, that's how we pay for so it. So how much of this stuff was labeled to build new roads? And I know it's just a general question. And then how much is to repair, you know, crumbling infrastructure, yeah, like th- bridges and stuff like that? I think a lot of it is just, re- you know, maintaining what we have, taking care of bottlenecks. I don't think any of it is you – know, it's not like we're planning a new uh, freeway ring or something like that. It's just to kind of keep the system functioning and expanding rats. for population growth. What did you yeah. say? I said rats. 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 <laughs> Catherine really? would like her own highway. I would like, yeah, I would like our highways God, to be this is much wider. By, We've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our final segment with uh, Ryan Winkler on Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutramost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy Brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me, having a coach keeps you accountable and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the ultimate wellness and weight loss program powered by Nutramost help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from clients submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutramost weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer detail. You know, Hibbing, Bemidji, what's the difference? Yeah, northern Minnesota. Northern Minnesota. Yeah, Iron Range versus not Iron Range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That is very, very true. Yeah, but not bad. You know, you got you, you got Bob Dylan, you got Kevin uh, McHale. You got some pretty good people from that area. I'm not sure I quite belong in that category. Well, you know, come on. Well, yeah, Dylan was sort of an oddball. I love Bob Dylan. Uh, To this day, ever since I was like a 12-year-old, I thought, my God, this guy's smart. Hell of a guy. Yeah. It's true. Ryan Winkler in studio with us. It's it's pretty interesting just to sit down. You know, Ryan, I think, particularly in Minnesota, the politicians in the state should spend more time doing (coughs) interviews like this because... You should invite us more often. I invite no, we're people gonna. and they never, ever show. We're going to use this as the reason why people should come in. Okay. Look, the evil invited, Tom Bernard didn't kill him until the last segment. I've invited oh, Jacob Fry. Actually, I've endorsed two candidates in the last two races. They both won, and neither one of them ever talked to me again. I mean, there are some bizarre people in politics. You do have to admit that. <laughs> uh, that's not a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a tough one. And the Minnesotans seem to really like 
bizarre politicians. Yeah, well, it is. Present, I mean, company excluded, of course. No, it's like. Yeah, they don't like me that much. Let's have <laughs> Jesse Ventura be the governor, and then oh, we'll elect Michelle God. Bachman, and I, then. It's just. Do you hear what he told out. Darkness I mean, Dave? It's uh-uh. a crazy town. Jesse Ventura told Darkness Dave. I'd like to talk to Tom again sometime if he ever apologizes. <laughs> like, apologize to you? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, over the years, I, but I think it's very, it'd be very good for the people, you know, for the people out the voters out there that to get to know all of you a lot better because a lot of people in that arena seem very distant. Not, it almost seems like they're not even part of the community. And I think that's a big mistake. I think to step up like you're doing today is a really good idea. I think a lot of us would like to be, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not obvious what the avenues for doing that are. Well, I've been inviting people on the KQ Morning Show for about 30 years, and so far, Tim Pawlenty and Norm Coleman, uh, Betsy Hodges has come on, and then never talked to me again. Uh, and then you got, well, Dean Phillips came on this show, and then, well, you know the Burnett family, Ryan Burnett. Yes. Well, yeah. Ryan and I are partners in some things. Okay. And he asked me if I would interview Dean Phillips because they've known, you know, the Phillips family mm-hmm. and the Burnett family have known. So he, we had him in one day. How long ago was that, Andy? Just before the election? A while, wasn't yeah. It? Mm-hmm. About a year ago. Yeah, I would say a year. A little more than a year ago, probably. I like to mix it up. That might make me a little bit different from some others. Mix it up as far as what's concerned. Back and forth, you, you know. I don't mind. anything well, yeah. you throw at me is fine. I don't See, care. I think that's terrific. But I, I think a lot of these guys, men and women. Well, you are such a disaster. Yes. It's a call from the governor. I got to take this. Tim Walls, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know what? I learned something from our governor that I didn't know. Because remember, Ryan, I grew up in North Minneapolis, so I don't know a whole lot about all this hunting, fishing stuff, and all the rest of it. But I watched the the governor's opener, right? And I said, I have a question for you. Why would you wear camouflage to go fishing? <laughs> so you can't find the body. <laughs> but apparently, a lot of people do that now. They, they, that hunters, fishers. Well, a lot of be- people who go fishing, uh, that's the clothes they own. Yeah, I was going to say. So yeah. what else yeah. are you going to wear? Well, that makes sense. That's true. Well, I think that's the argument right there. And I wasn't trying to tell you, say that Tim Wall's a moron or something. I just thought, why would you wear camp? The fish are like, I can't see anybody up in that boat. Can you? <laughs> Looks good to me. <laughs> Looks good. But, but apparently mean, everybody does that I, now. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think it's a great idea for politicians to talk to people really outside is. of their arena because it, it does seem like politicians can't speak to anybody unless they're all agreeing on the same thing, right or wrong. It's like we've decided that this is what we're going to talk about and that we're going to talk about that until people drop over it's called message discipline exactly but it's really really boring it's really boring and people are like well if i can't ask a question about it and you can't go off topic how much do you really know about it you know it seems disingenuous in a lot of ways so what do you see as the biggest i don't want to say issues or challenges what, what are you hoping you guys can accomplish in this session oh it's going to be tough we have a republican senate and a dfl house and in divided government, the general presumption is if it doesn't have to happen, it won't happen. Right. And so we passed a budget last year. That had to happen. It funds yep. the government for two years. Typically, in the next session, we pass a capital investment bill to fund infrastructure projects around the state. That probably has to happen next year. I mean, uh, money is basically free. You know, we can borrow money for almost no cost at this point. And so because of the bond rating, bond rating, and just the you know interest rates, and we've got clean water infrastructure needs, you know sewer plants in small towns in Greater Minnesota that they just can't pay for it on their own. Uh, people who want to do industrial parks, people who have transportation bridges, 
community centers. There's all sorts of things that we can be helping to make sure that every part of the state has the basic infrastructure in place to be successful. So a bonding bill would be very good. Republicans should want it because a lot of those projects are in their districts. Democrats want it because it creates union jobs and we believe in investment all over the state. So that should happen. Beyond that, it's hard to know what will happen. Uh, it, it really, the only way to do it is to build uh, support with a person on the opposite side of the aisle early yeah. and keep working the issue. Exactly. Working the issue. But they don't do that anymore. We do a lot of it, but it's yeah. just not the stuff that's very interesting. Oh, you know, okay. It just doesn't make the headlines. Most of the bills that pass the Minnesota House and the Minnesota Senate pass with overwhelming bipartisan support. And what usually happens is things are controversial. They sit, they, people work on it for a few years, and they bring it back once everybody kind of agrees that this works. Okay. And then we move it through. I just, I, I literally would like to see someday, particularly on the national level, these people offer very, very poor examples. And by these people, I mean our president does, Pelosi does, Schumer does. My God, would you calm down? They're, you're not, neither of you is the devil. So let's relax. Do you think that'll ever happen on a national basis again? It has to. Good. It I'm has to. to and, you know, it's Good. some, you know, you have to kind of take the big picture view. Coming out of World War II, like Americans right. were united. People were mm-hmm. very community oriented. There was all this sort of collective goodwill. Like after 9-11. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. been sort of a slow decline. And then you add technology, cable news, social media. And you, now people can just say whatever they want, however nasty they want to be. And yeah. nobody knows who they are, and yeah. they can stuff up. right. They and and then suddenly that gets picked up in media. That's the stuff that gets yeah. people's attention. All the things that people want out of government are not being. You know, nobody pays attention to it because it's not hot. It's not exciting. It's not you know uh, turning on uh, people's viewership. It's not creating clicks. It's just the the incentives are all skewed that yeah. opposite direction. Yeah. But eventually, people will be tired of it. I hope you're right, because I'm tired. I really hope it happens in November 2020, (laughs) but that's just me. (laughs) Hey, look, like I said before, if you want to be president, you're not my kind of person. So, you know, it's just, it's a whole different deal. I I don't think I've ever had a president that I went, oh, my God, do I hate that person. I think I've watched them make decisions, and I thought, why would you ever do that? Why would you say that? Why would you do that? Um... I think the number one problem that that our listeners have at KQRS and to this podcast is they just want to know where the money went. All the trillions of dollars, where did it go? You know, that's a fair question, isn't it? It is. It's all public information, and you could spend a whole year following it all. (laughs) And most people don't want to spend their time doing that. (laughs) It's hard, man. It's a lot of money out there. And people go, I I just, well, you know, I brought it up briefly. To Mr. Winkler, the fact that that uh, the fifth district in Minneapolis, it, it, there's the biggest disparity between black workers, or I think just black citizens and white citizens, but I think it, 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 it's based on on uh, jobs and and such. And you said income you had, disparity, income disparity. I, I, but I don't understand in a, in, a, in, a, in a state that's as liberal as Minnesota is, that's as wealthy as Minnesota is. How does that happen? I don't. 
And you said you have a theory on that. Well, my theory is that Minnesota traditionally has worked really well with a homogenous society where people know each other, they work together, they're used to functioning together, and it's sort of like Scandinavia. They all sort of see each other in each other, Mm -hmm. and it can be very high-performing. That's why we have high incomes, great education, high voter turnout, all of these things, high uh, charitable contributions and civic participation. All of those things are positives. And it's worked really well. But when you have people who are different moving in and the nature, the demographics of the state change, you might have learned all the wrong lessons about how to welcome in new people, about how to reach people who are different from you and figure out a way to work together. And I think we're very we're very divided geographically. The disparities Mm -hmm. you talked about are in health and in education and all sorts of things. So we sort of have to learn how to function a little bit differently in Minnesota in order to be successful in the world as it is uh, in front of us. You know, you're the only one that's ever answered that correctly. I've asked that of many people. And the reason I know that is this. And I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about it at this state. Maybe Catherine and I probably talked about it. But uh, the show, Morning Show, started 34 years ago. And uh, it took off right away. I was very, very lucky. And the show got huge and all the rest of it. And after a few years of getting beaten to a pulp by the Star Tribune and the, all the TV stations and the Pioneer Press and the politicians and all the rest of it, I actually, and I won't rat the guy out because he's no longer with us, but I asked the politician, a big, big shot politician, I said, what is the problem at the state level with me? I don't understand what is the problem. And the guy said just what you said. Well, Tom, you have to understand you're not like us. You're 100% right, because I was an inner-city kid who didn't act like a white guy to them. Does that make sense to you? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, cultural things that people of Scandinavian and German oh, and, yeah. you know, the Yankees founders of this state <laughs> have in common. Yeah. And it's Minnesota is, you know, we're thick with those kinds of people, and I'm one oh, yeah. of those. You know, well, I don't you, see don't, you, that, you don't. You're not you, that kind of person. Though. Well, you, you know, you don't cut in line at the Lutheran Church dinner, right? <laughs> and if you do, nobody yes, will say exactly. anything, but everyone will remember for oh, three yeah. generations that you did that. <laughs> so and you're like pay the price with the zipper merge. <laughs> I'll pull good. over, even though I'm a mile away from the end of it. I know you're not supposed to do that. No, that is like, so. Like I have little patience for Minnesota drivers. <laughs> oh. Well, there is. Or that. the vigilante out on the left lane deciding how fast everyone else should go. <laughs> So now, Ryan, just because you've been here for an hour, now I, I have somebody I might be able to vote for for governor someday. That was a very good response. Most people don't understand that about this state. They don't want to admit that there are a, a huge section of Minnesotans who don't want you around them if you're not like them. You didn't go to elementary school together, so why would I get to know uh, you? That that's exactly so true. That's absolutely true, Ryan. You're very. Yeah. Your mom and dad real smart. Of course they are. Okay, well, good. <laughs> well, of course they are. Your kid went to Harvard. They have to be yeah, smart, Yeah, well, right? that's true. I, yeah, but your dad went to Harvard. What would happen to you? Uh, Thank you very much. Selling, <laughs> selling cars. He's got street smarts. That's right. They have other very, talents. I'm very happy I asked that question because I've never gotten over that. For 30 years, I went, what do you mean I'm not like you? And it's just a it's it's a cultural deal. Obviously, you know, in fairness, though, you are every once in a while you'll say something like, "All politicians are scumbags." That, that no, can, can be off putting. I said a couple of people, that I, you know, <laughs> and I, all the I ones he was thinking of at the time. That's right. <laughs> that one guy. Very, very true. 
No, no, no. <laughs> Look, it, it's very, very frustrating when you try to talk to somebody about something and they won't even respond. Yeah. And it's only because I'm an inner city guy. And they, Minnesotans still cannot deal with inner city people in this state. They can't deal with us. Well, it's because there aren't very many. Because there mean, aren't very many. That's you know, true. You really have two. Actually, it's one. If Minneapolis and St. Paul are so close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. It, but it, it, we it weren't gets, part, you know, the big migration of African Americans to northern cities right. happened here, but not like Detroit or not other like places. Detroit, right. You know, we remained very white for a very long time. Yeah, we did, absolutely. And I'm just the wrong kind of white guy. You know, they always talk about you're the wrong kind of black guy. Well, I'm the wrong kind of white guy. I mean, it's just it's just how it is. Oh, you the you seem to be doing okay. Yeah. Uh, fight, fight the power, brother. Fight the power. That's all I know. Get your hands off my car. <laughs> but that that is terrific. I'm really glad that you would. So so you know Mike Michael Bryant that well that you would accept this invitation to come on and talk to Doug. Absolutely, he's That's a constituent why. of mine. I'll tell you what, he Michael Bryant is one of my favorite people. Where I learned a lot from Doug and Michael Bryant, as a matter of fact, because I was never really I was never really conservative. I might. Matter of fact, if I, you know, you did the testing, I test out a little bit left of center. That's where I test out of my views. But people who don't share the, that kind of centrist position think you're extreme anyway. So basically, I got the people on the far right and the far left both going, oh, my God, you're such a liberal. Oh, my God, you're such a conservative. <laughs> Well, you can't, can't be both. You, you, you can't be a public figure and worry too much about what people say. That's true. No, that's true. That's very good. Well, point. it does seem like the president's right, a good example of that. Right now, it can, yeah. it can be taken too far. <laughs> it does seem like right and now, and he is obsessed politics. with what people say about oh, him. He oh, is, man. God, he's such a baby. <laughs> okay, can I close with my Donald Trump story? You can do whatever you want. It's your show. Donald I just Trump. Put my name the on. art of the deal came out in paperback, right? And I had never met Donald Trump, but he came on the morning show. And he comes on the morning show, and I know people on, on the show have heard it many times, but it's, it's a fascinating story in that, so here's Donald Trump, one of the richest guys in the United States, one of the richest guys in the world. He comes on the show, and he goes, hey, Tom, how you doing? I said, great. And he goes, how's Catherine, my wife? And I said, We go way wonderful. back. Yeah, you and Donald. You and Don. I said, she's Donald. great. He goes, well, how about Andy and Alex? They doing well? I'm like, he knew my kids. He knew my wife. He knew what I did. He knew what I – he has really good people behind him. Now, he doesn't always let that come out of his mouth, but the people behind him back then in business were very, very good at it. I also know, by the way, and people do get upset with me on the right, but Donald Trump – I have watched Donald Trump cheat people out of money. I just, I have. I mean, whether it's in a building project or a golf course or putting in 500 trees at his, at his golf course in Palm, West Palm Beach and then not paying for them. I have no respect they for somebody They weren't put in that. properly. Oh, that's right. You put them in the ground wrong. But the roots planting. are supposed to be pointing up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what, I, what I'm trying to do, I'm, and I'm really glad you came in because maybe it'll open the door and people will realize that if they do come on the show, I'm not going to lambaste them and call them idiots. I mean, I, I will at the end. The danger is that we go off and then you keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. But if you're not a prick, then I won't do that. <laughs> no, I don't do that to people. I don't savage my guests. Only a couple of times it's happened. And I like these long-form interviews because you can't fake it for 45 minutes. You no, can fake exactly it for three right. or four. and tout the party line, whether it's politics or whatever you're trying to sell. But for you know, a longer term, it's impossible. To do. Long range, what, what are your goals in politics? Did you want to be governor someday? My goals are uh, to make as much of a difference as I can wherever I'm at the, at the time. And for all that people. sounds like a political answer. No. But the fact of the matter is that you can't predict. Politics changes all the time. Yeah. People spend their whole careers with a plan, and they're going to do this office and that office and that office, yep. and they're going to calculate their way through. It's a waste of time. Life is short. 
do what you can where you're at. And if things turn out, great. And, and, and you would say that serving all your constituents is important. Of course. Man, a lot of people don't think that. Man. Well, <laughs> I, think, that. I, think people get a, I think people don't know what level of commitment yeah. uh, their elected officials make. And especially at the state legislative level or the local level, you are doing this with a lot of us with a significant financial sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We, you don't agree with each other, but you, you know, at the state House of Representatives, just about everybody there is doing it because they believe in bettering the yeah. state. yeah. And it's, you know, so there's a Minnesota, I don't know other states, Minnesota is fortunate to have a whole lot of people working in government who care a lot and are doing their very best. I think that's true. I think that is true. Um, do you mind if, if I get the contact information for you from your person? Because I'd love to have you on the morning show once sure. in a while. Happy to do it. Because I li- what I like to do is offer both sides uh, of the coin, like I tried to do it this morning, because Mike Lindell is a big time supporter of, of Donald Trump, and he's matter of fact, he's going to be the not a big fan of the pillow either. What you? <laughs> there you go. There right. you go. You had to have a Cassie, parting take shot. Take that knife out of my back. There. Get that last dig. Actually, last night, last night, a, a news anchor, a national news anchor. Somebody brought up, I don't know who to, I, oh, I think it was Bill Clinton, actually. They were talking about presidents and misbehaving and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, you're eventually going to get to Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton and people like that. And the guy said, Bill Clinton has bedded more women than my pillow. Oh. <laughs> that's a pretty good, yeah. that see, is funny. that's a funny line. I'm sorry. But, a and you know your company's made it when you're the part of the joke. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yes, I, if you don't mind, I'll reach out to your people. Happy to. And I'd love well, to have you Well, if you're okay. With it, I just got your cell number. I can just give it to him. Well, I don't want your direct cell number because I'll call you and go, Jesus Christ, Winkler. No, I won't. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. I do don't. That. <laughs> goes, I don't want to have to get a new phone. <laughs> nah, we'll be fine. Thanks very much for coming in, Doug. That's another exciting episode of Car Selling Secrets <laughs> by Walter Automotive Group. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Jay Marie will be on. I think I finally. I love Jay Marie. I, I know. Well, I saw her at the house. Oh, did you? Yeah, she came to the house. You know, she's so nervous to do this show. I know she is. This woman is in advertising. She owns an ad uh, company in the Twin Cities. Everybody just loves her. She does a lot of fabulous uh, philanthropic work, and she's nervous to come in and talk to Tom. Just like you, right? So we'll just torture the (laughs) crap out of her. (laughs) I'm not nervous about anything. It doesn't look like it. We're done.